Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So on today's episode, if you haven't already seen the title, we will be discussing the different play styles and kind of going over what uh, what kind of play style would suit you best. Uh, this is an episode kind of more geared towards newer players that are kind of trying to figure out what faction they think would uh, would be what they would want to dive into first. Um, you know, even if you might have uh, the intention of starting multiple factions eventually, it's always good to start, you know, having uh, an idea of what you want your first faction to be. Um, so that's why uh, for this episode, we're going to kind of dive into that. I've seen uh, a lot of que- questions pop up here and there lately of people asking, you know, what faction they should start and asking uh you know, just general questions about the game. And I think uh, I think this is a topic that uh, is a bit overdue. Um, but for this episode, uh, as will be usual for Wednesdays, I have with me my co-host, Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah, no problem, dude. Um, always, a, always a pleasure to be here. This is an interesting topic for me. Uh, you said it's geared more towards newer players, but I think even some more veteran players can get some benefit from kind of just uh, ideas being reinforced or, you know, every once in a while, sometimes you just kind of say something and it just clicks with somebody that's already really experienced and uh, is already a veteran player. So sometimes it's just, uh, you know, kind of stepping back and analyzing, like, you know, the way that you try to play, uh, your list might be a little bit confused because your list is built to do one thing, but it's not how you're playing it. So even for a veteran player, it can be something that's worth giving a listen because, you know, um, certain units are designed to do certain things and you could just be, you could be right on the right track, but maybe your list just means a small tweak here or there and you'd be surprised just how well that list takes off with just a couple of changes. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely an interesting topic, um, one that, uh, you know, has been on, on our list for a while. So when it comes to discovering what your play style is, I think it's important to note that your play style can change based on the game. So let's say you're – I'll just, I guess, give my own example. Um, my play style has always been, in almost every single game I've ever played, defense in any form that you can find it whether that be health uh like armor um how hard it is to hit you um just anything along those categories uh just as defensive as i can uh and then i'll supplement some offense in there to do the damage i need to do um but for ice and fire i discovered uh you know, I wouldn't say quickly, but eventually I discovered my actual play style for Ice and Fire is uh, super offensive and aggressive while supplementing defense in there. Uh, and, you know, there's so many different play styles you can kind of discover between all the different factions. Uh, it's when when I say play style, it's not as simple as saying, oh, well, I'm offensive or I'm defensive or I like maneuverability. Now, those are aspects of a play style, but that 
doesn't completely define the play style itself. Uh, there can be different uh, aspects to it. And I think uh, just the factions in this game do an amazing job of having a general idea of what that play style for that faction is while being able to supplement these other aspects of different play styles to create its own unique play style. For example, what I was describing is uh, for Ice and Fire, my play style would be aggressive with a supplemental defense play style, uh, giving it kind of its own unique play style. Because, you know, with that said, you know, some would argue that that's not a, you know, a true um, all-out aggressive, whereas you could, let's say, uh, do an all-out aggressive play style and then supplement just as much aggressiveness as you can and just completely throw defense out the window in, in all forms. Um, so we do have a guest on, um, and uh, I know uh, he has a sort of limited time, so I'm going to let him kind of jump in here. I want to thank uh, Cyrus uh, for coming on for this one. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? Doing pretty good. Yeah, me too, me too. I'm actually happy to be uh, discussing this topic because it, it kind of got my wheels turning a little bit, thinking, what exactly play style am I? Because I wouldn't classify myself as overly aggressive. I'm not really overly defensive. I'm not a brilliant strategist. Uh, like, I'm not thinking six moves ahead and, and, and playing 4D chess out on the Song of Ice File Fire uh, table. Um, but I thought of, of, a, of a kind of a bit of a curveball term to describe my play style. I'm a list builder. That's my play style. That is probably some of the most fun that I have playing the game is just designing new lists and new concepts and trying new ideas trying to maximize my advantages and try to minimize my disadvantages. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, that do that, that, that have a lot of fun building lists. And if you are that type of person, the factions that you're going to look out for are the ones that provide you with the most uh, variables and, the, and the, the, the biggest opportunities to mix and match units to try to try to come up with cool combos and, and different tricks that you can do. And, that's kind of why I've stuck on the Lannisters because they have some brilliant attachments and some good units and some units that are not seen to be as good but still serve roles and uh, I like playing with them as when it comes to list building. So that's that's kind of my play style in the game is is first of all I, I try to design a list and then I try to play my game catered to that list uh, to try to to maximize its potential. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing you'll notice with a lot of games, I know I noticed, uh, um, I wouldn't say super early on, but early enough in, you know, playing Warhammer 40K is that, you know, a lot of people, uh, and this kind of dives into what you're talking about with list building, is that a lot of people that did amazingly well at tournaments usually had, like, oddball lists, like, um, you know, because one very common thing you'd see in 40K, uh, and, you know, if we're talking like uh, the overall 
lists if you were to look all over the place, one of the common things you would see a lot is spam. Uh, for those that don't really know the term, spam is just any time you put a bunch of the same units in there uh, in order to replicate uh, you know, the strength of that unit. And it's a strategy in the sense that if that unit gets obliterated, you have another one and another one and another one. And it just kind of, it has its own strength. You know, having, having a spam list has its own strength in the fact that uh, you can't necessarily take away their strength without completely tabling the army. Now, the downside to a spam list is it's, uh, you know, very predictable. It has uh, a lot more weaknesses usually. Um, but then again, you know, you would see a lot of these players with these lists that just seemed super oddball. Like, they have no more than, like, one of every type of unit. Every unit was, like, really different. And... You know, they played that list so many times, and they had a game plan that was all set out, and it worked, you know, well enough that they're, you know, winning tournaments with them, you know, larger tournaments. And I think that's that's kind of an important uh, aspect when trying to figure out your play style because, you know, you can have, like, a list that seems, you know, to everyone else as unorthodox, and using a lot of things that people would consider not all that great or just okay, but if you're constantly playing them and you've got it down packed what your strategy is and what your play style is, you can really turn that into your strength, you know, especially if it's something that people don't encounter often. You know, not encountering a certain unit that often kind of gives you an advantage because they're, uh, they're not fully... Um, prepared for what you know, what strategies uh, you're about to do. Um, an example I love bringing up uh, is when, you know, I took uh, second place at uh, the Adepticon, 2019 Adepticon, with an Umber uh, list led with Blackfish. You know, everyone at the time was pretty much just running uh, Holland or Rob still um, because they were you know, arguably the best uh, Stark commanders. Um, and not only that, uh, people saw my Umber list and were like, well, why aren't you using Great John Umber? But I played the list so many times and I had a strategy all planned out. That was also back then, you know, everyone always loved going second, you know, going first on the second round. I loved going first on the first round because it allowed me to march my units up as far as I could knowing that I have a set for charge in my hand, they would charge me on the first uh, activation of the second round. I'd play for a set for charge, attack them. They, I would then take the free attack after they attacked me, obviously, and then attack them for a second time, all the while not ever having activated. And now, uh, in a lot of cases, especially back with 1.6 Berserkers, uh, killing off the unit in two attacks. You know, and that in itself would set the tempo for me to just kind of steamroll a lot of people that weren't expecting it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a play style, it can be a tricky thing. Um, and trying to find out which play style or what play style best suits you is something that 
I don't think there's a definitive answer that someone can kind of just tell you. Um, now, getting a rough idea is a, a good place to start, but then after that, uh, figuring out where to go from there, you know, is a lot to do with uh, playtesting. Um, Cyrus, uh, how how did you kind of come about to your current play style, uh, or let's say even uh, list building? Um, like, when did you kind of discover that was um, what kind of suit you best? It was fairly early on. Uh, I knew that because I, I I can't remember exactly when I, I've been playing for a couple of years. But I, I didn't start the game at Kickstarter. It, it had been about a year before I'd, I'd gotten started, and or like early on, you're kind of overwhelmed. I'd played exactly one other miniature game before, uh, which was just a, a little a little bit more complicated. I started with Armada, and that was uh, to build the ships uh, and, and throw on upgrades, and that's how you made your lists. Uh, this one seemed a little bit simpler at the start, but when you start figuring in combinations and, and synergies, it, it, it can actually get a little bit more complex when you're trying to try to get maximum value. And uh, I think I, I really started getting into it when I started playing early uh, Night's Watch, trying to find uh, the, the, the good combos and then uh, you'd come across like early Othel and, and throwing in uh, flayed men and getting their critical blows with uh, with precision and 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 two uh, unblocked uh, hits becoming wounds and just absolutely crazy hits when it comes with that. But uh, oftentimes I try to avoid running the most popular lists and the most popular units because ever anybody can can net list can can net deck can find the most popular things and the most powerful things and throw them in a list and call it that's that's my list that's what I'm going to run uh now when people are successful with that they've played that list dozens of times they know it in and out and if you're just going to throw that list together and run it yourself you're probably not going to have the same success as the as the top players do running that particular list but there's another downside to it if you can look up and see what the most popular lists and the most popular units are, everyone else can too. And everyone else can plan for counters to that and run their own versions to try to subvert the power of what you're trying to run. So that's why you should run something a little bit more unorthodox. Try not to copy the most popular list going on at the time and trying to find your own different versions of that with you know a little ch the change here a little tweak there and and try to make the list your own and that's that's what i try to do uh when i'm building my lists and that's where i feel like my my niche is yeah and i think uh another thing i guess to kind of establish like a base especially if there's any newer players listening that uh you know, don't um, that aren't even like I guess aware of like the most basic, uh, and that's not to you know uh, not to say that like it's a bad thing, but you know just to kind of cover our bases if there really are some people that are so new that they they don't really know a lot about the game yet. Um, I guess it'd be good to kind of cover each faction and what they kind of. Um, their overall, their overall like archetype is their their p main play style, 
I mean, you have the uh, kind of go in the order in which they're released. Uh, you got Starks. You know, they're mostly meant for a mixture of maneuverability. Uh, they get better as they take damage. Um, as far as like offense, defense, I, I would say Starks are one of the best that kind of do a mixture of it all. Um, they have some of the best. Uh, def- I wouldn't say like the best, but they have a really good mixture of of kind of all the aspects. Um, you have Lannisters. They're definitely your control type, uh, kind of mess you up uh, whenever you think you got a, a game plan. They always have kind of a an answer for messing you up. Um, neutrals. Um, I would say, you know, neutrals are kind of hard to peg down. Uh, their deck itself is kind of geared towards boosting the commander. Um, if you're running the Bolton sub-faction, uh, you're looking more panic-based. Um, Stormcrows uh, kind of want uh, the Wealth Zone to get some effects. And then you have the Mummers. Um, I wouldn't really... I can't really say the Mummers necessarily have a overarching... Um, theme yet there you know i guess if you want to count like the skirmishers and then vargo there's like a a little bit of a weakened aspect but um let's see next uh we have nice watch nice watch i would say are definitely the kind of jack all trades um i know i was kind of saying starks kind of have a little bit of everything um i would say you would more so have to build it to be that way with Starks, whereas Night's Watch kind of have it already built in. Um, Free Folk are your Horde faction. If you're looking for a lot of units for really cheap, uh, Free Folk are definitely the go-to. Their Free Folk are the only faction that can't run any neutrals, um, so keep that in mind. But um, even with that said, they have some awesome uh, options to choose from. Let's see, then we have Baratheons. Baratheons are really cool. Um, They're awesome in the sense that they have two sub-factions within them. You have the Renly and the Stannis side of things. Renly, I would say, is... I don't know, it's hard to say Renly side at the moment um, because uh, it used to be Renly had a lot of healing. Now it's just kind of sporadic. Stannis, though, is definitely uh, panic-based. Let's see, you have Targaryens. They're definitely the speed faction, in my opinion. They definitely have way more speed than any other faction out there, uh, and they hit very hard. Um, They're, I would say, kind of lacking in the defensive, but you could uh, argue with, uh, you know, pikemen have an amazing uh, defensive trait to them. So, and then, uh, oh yeah, Greyjoys, of course, my favorite faction. Uh, Greyjoys are... Very offensive. They do have a lot of defensive elements, um, but they're very offensive, and their uh, I guess their biggest defensive element is that they heal a ton. Uh, in my opinion, more than any other faction, uh, like naturally, without having to like go out of your way to get the healing in there. Um, so, you know, I would say if you're unsure completely kind of take that in mind and as like the first step and also as already mentioned keep in mind that you know let's say you do want offense 
but you're looking at, you know, Brassian, which I would say is more so like a, a defensive retribution army, you know, so retribution meaning that they're going to punish you for hurting them. Um, so uh, let's say you do want more of a defensive army. The nice thing about all these factions is the commander brings a lot to the faction and that you can take uh, a faction who is good at one thing and run a commander that kind of helps them with what they're weak at. For example, um, some would argue that Lannisters don't have a ton of punch, but you could run the Mountain Commander, who uh, is like all about being aggressive, being you know extra attacks with the tactics cards and uh, and whatnot, and you know and really turn the Lannister faction kind of into a powerhouse as far as offensively. Uh, and I would argue that every not every faction has every option available to them, but I would say every faction has uh, most of all the options available to them to kind of discover these different play styles within a faction, which really makes, you know, picking your commander like a, a big deal. Your commander dictates a big part of your play style. Um, Brett, uh, how about you? What uh, what would you say your uh, play style was at, at the start of uh, the game when you first got into it? Um, a little bit. I think I'm a little bit like Cyrus in the sense that I try to play things that uh, a lot of people aren't playing, but uh, it depends on the event and, like, what I'm playing and stuff. If I know I'm going into something that's super, super meta-y, like an online tournament, I feel like I don't have a choice but to run, you know, like certain stuff. Uh, In 1.6, I played... Nice watching Lannisters in person, and it worked fine um, because we didn't have a whole lot of Free Folk players, and uh, Free Folk kind of, at the time, kind of hard-countered Nice watching Lannisters. So playing in person, I didn't really have to worry about it, but when I played online, I felt almost obligated to play Stark because I just don't like Free Folk, so I didn't want to go into playing free folk. I just, <laughs> I would rather try to counter them than play them. But um, now in this version, I think I'm a little bit like Cyrus. I try to tinker around and solve the meta. Um, but I, I, I mean, I still really like Nightwatch. Uh, so I don't know. Um really hard for me to lay down a play style i think i think i more or less try to cover all of the bases i try to have you know lists that that have some defense you know like have an anchor point unit uh have some offense have some activation advantage i add some mobility somewhere um but i guess if you break it down my favorite thing to do in the game is kill stuff so I'm probably aggressive. Um, some people really enjoy playing that attrition warfare, and they're just going to beat you by surviving. Uh, I respect it. It does win. 
um, what some people like to do. I I think it's boring. <laughs> I think it's I think it's boring. Uh, it doesn't appeal to me. So um, when I play Lannisters, I tinker around obviously with some blade men. I tinker around with the Mountain Commander. Um, I've played with Pyromancers. Um, I just like to go get engaged and I like to kill stuff. Not the only way that you can play to win, but there's been a lot of times where I've been in a game situation where all I really had to do was piss off and mind my own business and win the game. But my aggressive kind of nature literally kind of cost me the game in the end because I went and messed with stuff that I didn't have to go mess with just because I wanted to kill when if I would have just gotten the kill that I needed and just kind of backed off and played objectives the rest of the way, I had an easy win. But there's definitely been some games where being overly aggressive has cost me. But that's just – I just like – I just like engagement. I like, you know, my opponent to – I have a chance to roll some dice, and I just find it really boring to sit and activate and do nothing and just sit on an objective the whole game. And so, yeah, call me call me aggressive, I guess. I'm a little bit aggressive. Now, Cyrus, uh, I guess uh, what would you kind of – um, before you have to take off, what advice do you think uh, you would give to any newer players kind of out there kind of scratching their head and not really sure uh, what kind of play style or what faction that they want to start up? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll throw out a couple uh, suggestions for people who kind of have a feeling of what their play style want, they want it to be and what faction they might look for. So if you are an aggressive player and you just want to go out and kill things, I think Star, Targaryens, and Greyjoys are probably where you should look first because uh, they, they, they like to throw dice. They like to, to, to knock trays down. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably a good start. And then if you're not feeling it there, then you could look for kind of the sub- parts of some of the other factions, like you mentioned, uh, Gregor and, and Lannister. Um, if you're a defensive player, then Lannisters with their control and uh, Baratheons with their high armor across the board for the most part are, are good starts there. Um, if you're a, a strategist and you like planning ahead and you want to win the game uh, in your mind and, and, and kind of get in your opponent's head and, and give them as few good options as possible. Uh, Free Folk is a great start because if, you, if you're able to envision where things are going to be and are able to surround your opponent and give them no good options for where they want to be and where they want to go, uh, the, yeah, the Free Folk is, is probably at the top along with Neutrals since they're considered to be kind of underpowered as far as their units go, but their tactics deck is pretty damn good. If, if, if you like strategizing, and, and overcoming Oz, and, and then neutrals is probably a good bet for you as well. As far as list building goes, uh, building lists for free folk is a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, Lannisters got great combinations of units and attachments. Uh, I think we were talking about that on the uh, Sunday Slaughter Discord, about how some, some factions aren't quite as fun 
to build lists for, like Night's Watch right now, they have almost the entirety of their units are all seven points, which you could take four units and maybe another unit uh, that's uh, that's a low-cost unit in addition if you're running two NCUs, and that's about it. Uh, that's not quite as fun as uh, some of the other factions can be. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, I think that would be where I would look if you're if you're one of those types. Yeah, I think that's a good point that, you know, figuring out, like, the breakdown in points and how the factions operate, because Night's Watch definitely can be hard to build in the sense that, uh, you know, when you're playing this game, because everything's so low in points, like the whole system, um, it really does kind of become this puzzle uh, that you, when you're building your list. Um you know, it's, you know, you have 40 points to work with, assuming you're doing the standard 40 points. Um, and like you were saying, uh, seven-point units, you're looking at a lot of cases, four units, putting you at 28. And then you ask yourself, okay, do you run two NCUs and then a conscript? Do you run three NCUs? Uh, do you maybe run... Um, three seven-point units, two cons, uh, conscripts, some attachments, and then two NCUs, or, you know, and it may sound like I, I mentioned a bunch of different, uh, like, uh, lists there, or a bunch of different um, uh, starting points, but I'm pretty sure I just mentioned, like, almost 90% of what you'll do, and Unfortunately, for I think that's just kind of what Night's Watch falls into. Whereas when you have other, pretty much I would say Night's Watch is the only one that kind of falls in that particular category. But, you know, let's say, for example, uh, what's a good one? Starks. Starks would be a really good example where you have, you have an eight-point unit, you have a couple seven-point units, you have a bunch of six-point, a uh, couple five, you have the wolves, um, uh, are the wolves three or four points? Wolves are three. Okay, so but yeah, you, you have, have the wolves to take at three points. Yep, and so now you have kind of this Tetris uh, in numbers where you're trying to fit together how your list is going to be, and now because you don't have a bunch of units that are automatically seven points, you can start to kind of play around with, you know easily taking attachments while not sacrificing uh, a whole unit to do so or a whole NCU because now you can take five-pointers um, and six-pointers uh, to do so. Uh, so I would say I would say some of the, the best, uh, let's say you're, you're really just looking for an army that's kind of beginner-friendly uh, that you don't really, you know, you're you're probably going to start multiple armies over the course of the game, and you just want to start with something that's more beginner friendly. I would say probably Starks, um, let's see Starks, Lannisters, and Baratheons. I think would be a, uh, any of those three. Um, now, if you're kind of new to like the whole strategy-based game, I would say probably Baratheons and then Starks, Lannisters with their control aspect. Um, if you are new to, like, the whole strategy aspect of the game uh, or of games in general, um, 
maybe you're just coming from a board game uh, side of things, uh, I would say, um, you know, Lannisters might not be the best fit. Uh, and who knows, you know, something else might be a better fit, um, just depending on, again, your play style. But, uh, you know, it really comes, a lot of it comes down to personal preference. I don't think uh, this game, you know, has a layer of complexity to it, but it's also not rocket science, meaning that, you know, some factions may have a little bit more of a learning curve to it, but with enough games under your belt, you'll be able to master just about any faction without it being a huge problem. Um, you know, Let's say you're just dead set on how awesome, uh, let's say, the Greyjoy models look like. Or you're just super into giants and mammoths and all the different creatures that free folk have to offer. But they're not necessarily your play style. But uh, I think a level of you know playing with the models themselves can lend to changing your play style. Um, I can't really explain what changed my playstyle coming from pretty much every other tabletop game I've ever played to this one, um, going from almost the exact opposite, you know, the uh, defense with a little bit of offense going to offense with a little bit of defense. I can't really explain how it happened or why it happened. I think it just had a lot to do with the way certain models looked and the way they operated. And I think that could also be the, you know, be something that could kind of be tricky. Uh, let's say you are naturally an offensive player, but, you know, this game, just the way it operates, you know, you have things just getting blown up over and over. Who knows? Maybe try a defensive style army, and you might actually find yourself liking it more. So, I guess at the end of the day, when you're looking at all this stuff, if you're completely unsure, I honestly would just say go with what you think looks the coolest. What uh, if you're if it's uh, if you're into like the hobby side of things, what you think you would have the most fun painting? Because I think uh, to a certain extent, the love for the game will help supplement what play style you'll want to be in the end. It'll help you kind of round out the edges of what attracts you to a faction or a play style or just anything in general for this game is that, you know, you're going to be, you know, super excited to get the models on the table, uh, super excited to paint them, especially, you know, for my painters out there, you know, just the level of accomplishment you feel when you finish painting a unit uh, and just getting that unit out there and playing and then kind of discovering the play style from there could, you know, could even be a way for you to find it out that way. Um, then again, uh, for those that aren't really into the hobby aspect uh, of the game and they just kind of want to get their models on the table and, you know, maybe they just go as far as magnetizing and, um, and whatnot, and that's completely fine, too. Uh, if that's the case, then, you know, uh, starting with just, I think, what looks cool or, uh, you know, or start with what you know. You know 
when I started back when the game for, you know first was came out, you there was if you count neutrals as a faction, technically there's three factions, but really because there's so few neutral units, it really was just kind of two factions. And so I just picked the faction that uh um I felt would suit me best. Not only that, uh, I never really liked the Lannisters from the show. You know, I thought Tyrion was funny, um, but I never really liked Tywin at the time. I never really appreciated, you know, Tywin's, like, demeanor and the way he is in the show until after, uh, you know, kind of getting more into the game and then listening to the books. Um, But but that's kind of why I chose Starks to begin with is just because they were Starks and, uh, and the play style. Um, but as far as kind of discovering your, uh, faction, um, you know, it really does come down to, and it's hard to, there really is no, you know, kind of one answer I can give anyone listening that can, you know, you'll be able to kind of walk away from the show just automatically knowing what play style uh, that you will be or, you know, an answer to what faction to pick. But I think uh, it kind of gives you an idea of where to where to start and what kind of questions to ask yourself um, before, you know, you have to dive into a faction. And then, uh, you know, before I hand it over to you, Brett, I think an, another awesome tool uh, granted, I don't really use it, but I know Brett does quite a bit, is uh, Tabletop Simulator. For those that don't know, it's it's an online version of this game. You can go on uh, Steam and download Tabletop Simulator. Uh, I don't think it costs that much, um, but uh, I know the the Ice and Fire part, portion is free. You just have to purchase the, the simulator itself. And it's just uh, basically playing the game online. And what I'm getting at is that if you're truly unsure of what faction to play, you know, there's tons of groups that you can join that will help you, and there's tons of people that will run you through some games. And it will give you the option to play any faction, any unit, and kind of get a feel before you ever have to make a purchase, which, you know, is awesome because, um, everyone's situation is different. You know, you might only be in that situation where you can really only afford one army, and you'll only be able to afford one army for the entirety of playing this game. Maybe you have that rule for yourself. Um, I know, besides Ice and Fire, I have that rule for myself for every other game I play. It's one faction, no more. Um, and so maybe, you know, you have that rule, but for this game and so you really want to make sure that uh, you know what you want before you start Uh, and I think Tabletop Simulator is a a great tool to kind of discover that what are your thoughts Brett? Well it's not just Tabletop Simulator another thing that you can do is um, I think in the age of the internet and the age of technology this is probably true for almost any tabletop game uh, but you have a plethora of content out there, just so much water doing excellent battle reports. Um, and you've got various, various channels that do battle reports, but additionally you have specialized segments besides just us that, that break down, 
you know, tournament games, they break down exactly what they were thinking when they made this move, why they deployed this way, why this list has X component in it. There's so many great content creators out here that you don't even necessarily have to play. You can, you can watch their videos. You can listen to their podcasts. You can um, – I know the developers used to do podcasts. Um, Michael did a uh, song chat where he broke down, you know, some list ideas that he thought maybe people were sleeping on. But there's so much content out there. You don't necessarily have to even buy in and try stuff. You can watch a battle report and see how they play. You can get an idea for how these things work. Uh, you can learn a lot from them. So, yes, tabletop simulator is free. I definitely always encourage when you're playing a game like this, though, uh, that you use tabletop simulator as a supplement to playing in person. There's not anything quite like playing in person. That camaraderie that you build, that kind of getting out and socializing, that can't be replaced by, you know, staying inside and sitting at a computer. I think TTS has a place, but definitely encourage you to use TTS to supplement your physical copies of the game. Um, that said, um, yeah, you can just watch a battle report, think that you like a certain faction, jump on TTS, give it a whirl, see if it works for you, see if you like the style, and then decide from there. Um, but, yeah, I think you, you kind of, in your, in your faction breakdowns, you kind of ran down everybody, and, and, you know, a lot of factions are capable of doing multiple things. You know, you can play hyper-aggressive with a defensive faction or defensive with a faction that's generally thought of as an aggressive faction. So um, I would definitely go out there and, and search the battle reports and search the other content creators as well and take a little bit from each content creator and then form your own opinion. Yeah, and, you know, to kind of uh, expand on that, I'm pretty sure a ton of other content creators have very similar uh, topics to this one that, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I almost guarantee they have some other things that we didn't think of for this episode that they have in that one um, that you can go and listen to those uh, and kind of get some more ideas. Um, I know Chase from On The Table Gaming has some awesome uh, videos kind of just describing each faction. I think it, each faction has its own video, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're um, they're more on the older side now, uh, uh, I think this was back uh, quite a while ago, but they're still awesome videos, very well done. Um, there's just so many content creators out there, and uh, I, I think kind of diving into a lot of it will really help you to discover, you know, all the strengths and weaknesses of each faction. Um, you know, like you said, there's nothing that really replaces actually playing in person, um, but you know, tabletop simulator is definitely an awesome tool to help uh, figure out, you know, what lists work, what units work. And I would say, you know, uh, if, if you're trying something out that you do really like and you want it to be your faction, but it just, you don't want to play a faction that uh, is just constantly not working for you, say, you know, definitely give it a thorough look through because sometimes 
uh, some factions aren't as obvious as others. You know, um, some take a bit more play, you know, play testing and discovering to really find out what clicks, what what works for that faction. Um, I know for a while, you know, I felt like Baratheons were, you know, just unplayable almost until, you know, I started discovering some uh, combos with them. Now, that's not to say the Baratheons are this amazing faction that's like at the top of the list, but, you know, they definitely kind of went up a couple pegs in my book uh, after discovering, you know, some of the combos and potential that they have. So, so yeah, I would, I guess, kind of leave it there. Um, I know this is definitely probably one of our shortest episodes we've ever done. Um, but I do want to leave it off with that uh, if you are a new player and uh, you want a little more advice uh, on what faction to start, definitely feel free to message uh, me on Facebook. And, you know, when it comes to an individual and being able to kind of talk one-on-one, it's a lot easier to help someone through what play style would best suit them. It's a little different when you're kind of talking about it as a topic because you're talking to so many people who all have different uh, preferences and play styles that it's hard to just kind of give this one answer that applies to everyone. Um, And that's kind of why this episode was more about kind of giving you the tools and ideas to kind of help you discover it yourself or maybe even give you give you the questions to ask yourself and maybe ask those that are around you that you can kind of tell, you know, ask them, uh, you know, what they think would be best suited for you based on your preferences that you can tell them. Uh, And I think uh, you'll be able to, you know, come about and discover, uh, you know, the play style and the faction that you want to try out. Um, but with that said, I want to kind of end it with, uh, you know, some shout-outs since we have plenty of time. Um, you know, I know a lot of our episodes kind of run right up until the end, and a lot of times we don't get to do the shout-outs that we want to do or kind of, you know, give the respects uh, that we want to give. Uh, so the first one I want to do, now that I know that it's, for the most part, confirmed, Gamers Haven is doing a tournament uh let me get the date real quick. I want to say it's in January. Uh, it is, let's see here, January 15th. Um, I know they're still kind of uh, working out the details of the tournament, but January 15th, uh, you can find it on songoficeandfirestats.com is where you can sign up for it. Um, it's a 40-point tournament. Uh as far as I know, it's all the current rules. Um, they will have a. Cu- uh, they will be using any update that is given uh, up to like three days in advance. So any updates that happen, uh, from my understanding, from January 12th or sooner, will uh, apply to that tournament. And that's just because a lot of the rules that uh, for the update that have been mentioned are just quality of life. You know they're. They're updates that are just going to make the game simply better. Um, 
which is why they kind of want to implement them right away for this tournament, which I completely understand. So definitely uh, save the date for that one. I Don't quote me on this. I am pretty sure they mentioned that uh, they are getting prize support for this one from CMON. I'll, if I can make it to this one, which I'm definitely going to try it to, it's going to be hard because it is the week before LVO, um, I will be bringing prize support just like last time. So if you can make it to this one, definitely try to save the date. Um, you know, go uh, sign up at uh, com. kind of save your spot. I can't remember how much they said it was. Uh, again, don't quote me. It should all be on uh, a Song of Ice Fire stats for the tournament event. I think it's like 15 or $20. Um, rounds will be determined based on attendance. My guess is it'll be four rounds, just uh, because I'm almost positive it'll be more than eight people. But uh, I think it'll be um, less people than is needed for five rounds. But uh, we'll see. So um, definitely keep that one in mind. Um, also, for those that I think there might or might not be spots available for LVO, so definitely check that one out if you're going to be in the Las Vegas area. Um, I believe that one is uh, this uh, January 28th, 29th, and 30th. Um, so definitely you know, keep an eye out for those. I think there's a couple tickets left. You'll, do, you'll have to check that out. Um, as always, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Sunday Slaughter. Awesome content. Definitely go check it out. Uh, just released a battle report that me and him uh, did uh, while I was there for their most recent tournament. Um, Gamer's Haven, awesome place. Highly recommend it. And Sunday Slaughter, definitely go check them out. Uh, amazing battle reports. They do do... Uh, uh, occasionally they do a podcast, and that is also awesome. So consider uh, supporting them on Patreon if uh, if you're looking to support someone, uh, a content creator in, in that way. Um, Brett, how about you? Do you have any shout-outs or event, uh, events going on that you want to shout-out? Um, you know, just the usual suspects. Um, you know, just in general, um, always a great idea to check out the uh, videos and the content from all of these different creators. Uh, probably getting bored of me saying this, but it's done. <laughs> Generally, with their free time, they're not making money off of it. If they have a Patreon, it's normally, you know, to pay for, like, new cameras or some kind of way to make better content for you. Um, so it's always cool to support them, even if you can't do it financially sharing, liking, uh, just putting the word out for them is always really helpful. Um, you will um, – crap, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I totally – I just totally lost it. Um, you always want to support <laughs> your local game store. Um, I know some of the pandemic in a lot of areas is starting to ease up. People are getting back to in-store gaming. You know, even if even if you're just buying a couple of pops while you're there, or you grab a, a paint uh, a paint pot, um, whatever you can to put money back into those stores, the ones that survived the pandemic probably amassed quite a bit of you know debt and stuff trying to keep the doors open. They're there for the gamers, so do everything you can to support them. I know it's tempting to 
when you see early release products, they've got them overseas, you know, the temptation is there to get your hands on them early. Um, I mean, if you can, if, if you really, if you can, it, it means so much to those local stores if you hold out, you know, the month until they can get it in and buy it from that local store instead of, you know, going out and buying it somewhere else. Uh, if, if you're playing at a store locally, I mean, you really, I mean, you don't have to, of course, it's always your choice and it's your financial situation if you need to, you know, buy stuff online to save the money. But man, whatever you can, just support those local stores because they don't necessarily get any money for you playing at their store. Um, you know, and it's a thing I've said before in previous podcasts, Amazon's great. <laughs> I work for Amazon. They they support my hobby by writing my paycheck, you know, but um, Amazon does not host gaming events. Amazon does not host tournaments. Um, eBay does not host tournaments. Um, that's This is all stuff that these local stores are doing. So uh, it's really important to support them so that they can support the community and help it grow because without a community, we don't have a game. So really important to keep that in mind. I agree. And, you know, I definitely love saving money, but, you know, when it comes to like five, ten bucks, I mean, uh, you know, giving it to some big corporation or giving it to someone you know, especially, you know, everyone kind of is different, but, you know, especially if you're really close to an owner of a game store, just kind of consider, you know, doing doing what you can. Uh, I know everyone's situation is different. Um, some people can barely afford to play. Others are a bit more fortunate. But just kind of, just kind of weigh, weigh it and see, see what uh, what is within your ability to do. Um, as Britt has mentioned, you know, these places provide the community in which helps all these different games grow. This, you know, this game in particular. Um, uh, for the you know the topic we're talking about, but just for any game that you play, um, you know, because you know I play at my house. I have people over and we play at my house. But um, you know, if it wasn't for a game place, I mean, that's where the community grows. Uh, you know, that's where you get more people into the game. Because as I've uh, seen all too many times, you know, when you get like a group together. Uh, unless you're like a very close-knit group of friends, I'm talking like best friends, if you just have like a group of friends that just constantly meet at someone's house, they always always seem to dwindle down to until the game kind of just stops happening. Uh, game stores, being active at your at your local game store, you know, running events, and they don't even have to necessarily be like competitive tournaments, just any sort of an event. Uh, they could even be like a, a charity event, you know. Um, you know, you could, if you wanted to do like a charity tournament, where like you do like a dollar for every dollar you donate, you get like a re-roll. Uh, I know some bigger events will do charity uh, stuff like that, uh, and then you can just do the entry. Um, you know however much of the entry goes to the shop and the other bit of the entry goes to, you know, the uh, place that you want to donate to. Uh, there's different things you can do like that. Campaigns and uh, scenario stuff. Um, just anything you can to keep the uh, community together and just keep it going. Um, 
And for those that are kind of, you know, worried about the future of the game, I would just say that, you know, in my, I'm a pretty optimistic person, so maybe that's why, you know, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. But, uh, you know, things are looking up. You know, we supposedly, at least in the U.S., we have the card packs coming this Friday um, at a lot of locations. And the card packs, I feel like, are like the final thing that we can finally, once we get them, we can move on. Granted, a lot of people have already printed theirs. They've been able to play for a while now. But, you know, to actually have the physical cards in hand, there's tons. At least my game shop was, you know, sent me the huge list of all the things that are coming over the next couple of weeks, and it's so much. Like, because I do every faction, I mean, it's going to be like 600 bucks for me. Um, you know, I'm optimistic that, you know, things are going to start rolling out uh, and things are going to be much better, but we kind of have to get back out there and we just, we got to, you know, kind of get everyone involved and, you know, let them know that the game is back in, you know, back in the mix of things and that we're going to be able to start getting big events going again and, you know, kind of, you know, get everything uh, going. So uh, with that said, you know, if you guys ever uh, have any comments, uh, any suggestions on what we can do better, definitely go check out our Discord. Um, you know, we have uh, a bunch of different tabs on there, either for like show uh, suggestions and what we can do better, and just uh, a bunch of different stuff on there that you guys can uh, go and talk to talk about different subjects. Um, I'll post that in our Facebook group. If you haven't uh, already been there, definitely give us a, a like on that page. Uh, for every 100 likes, we do a giveaway. Uh, the winner gets a unit box of their choice. Um, and then for every th- once we hit 1,000, uh, we're going to give away a starter of the winner's choice. So uh, we've been kind of stagnant on there. But then again, you know, there's, there's only so many people in this, uh, you know, that's understandable. But if you can share it out and you know, maybe reach some of the newer people. Uh, maybe we can get that number up and get some more uh, stuff out, especially with these card packs coming. Going to give away the uh, – we did a big giveaway a while back where we gave out seven card packs um, to seven random winners. Once I get those, uh, you know, give uh, sent out to all those winners, we're going to start up some more uh, giveaways. Um, I just didn't want to get too backlogged on uh, on winners and have to keep track of all these different people with a uh, product that they want. So we'll get back in the swing of that. Um, you know, and a lot of times it has to do with callers. Uh, so we'd love to see more uh, people call in and be guests uh, on our show. So um, every single show is live. Uh, you guys give us a call at any time if you kind of want to give your two cents. Um, I know it doesn't always stay the same, but we do our show every other Friday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time and every other Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. With all of that said, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, it is definitely a bit one of our shorter ones, but regardless, uh, we thank you for listening in. This is the Small Console Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>